In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of OGGN HSE, heard in at least 134 different countries around the world. The podcast is sponsored by KnowledgeVine, the leader in human performance improvement training and technologies. KnowledgeVine is committed to reducing the frequency and severity of workplace errors by helping organizations leverage technology to easily create a sustainable safety culture. KnowledgeVine, the evolution of human performance. Learn more at KnowledgeVine.com. Today, my guest on the show is John Lavoy. John, did I say that right? Close. We'd say Levoy, although Levoy, the original pronunciation okay. would be Lavoy. Yeah, because I was going to actually try that, but it, you know, trying to speak Le Francais <laughs> never works in my Texas accent, you know, but that is a good French name. Now, you're not in Paris, are you? Nope. Located in Houston, the energy capital. Oh, yeah. That seems like we have actually interviewed someone from Paris and lots of other places around the world, but it seems like we're always coming back to Houston. Have you lived in Houston all your life? No, originally from Michigan, but been here, oh, maybe some 45 years or so. So I'm almost native Texan. John, you actually are with a company called Blue Sky Measurements. We're going to be talking about methane and methane mitigation today. Probably most folks have never heard of Blue Sky Measurements. Yeah. Maybe we can change that today. But you did work for a company that people have heard of, right? So I spent most of my career really with Weatherford International. But I'm currently CEO of Blue Sky Measurements, and we're developing technologies for methane emission monitoring. And so what about your career has brought you to that point? So if you go back a number of years, I got a PhD in chemical engineering from Rice University. Oh, wow. You must be smart. For <laughs> Folks, for those of you who are listening in 134 different countries, I mean, they actually have bumper stickers that say, I go to Rice. I must be smart. And it's actually true. <laughs> well, it was a good education for me. That's for sure. I've been so in that's how patch. you got from Michigan to Houston? That's right. Because Rice University is in Houston, folks. So After graduating, I've been working in the oil patch my whole career and spent a number of years with developing lab systems for oil and gas analysis, and and then co-founded a company to to develop some sensor technology, multi-phase metering sensor technology for production measurement. And that company was eventually bought by Weatherford. And I spent most of my career there and most recently as a director of engineering and manufacturing for the testing division. And we focused on things like production well testing. And we did a lot of development for multi-phase metering systems so you can measure the production of oil, water, and gas without separating. And then a number of years ago, or a few years ago, I started looking at the whole energy transition space. And I was kind of surprised to see, you know, just how big a role that the methane emissions played in the whole greenhouse gas footprint for the industry. Okay, well, that's actually why, John, I wanted to have you, you know, a guy with a PhD, and we only get the best and smartest guests on this show, you know, which is why people listen. And, you know, I don't mind tooting my own horn. Everybody's heard my old expression, the old proverb, he who tooteth not his own horn may never hear his own horn tooted. So I'm proud to have guests like you on the show because it seems like, John, every time I turn around, I get another email about some kind of methane conference, methane mitigation 
investigation. I got one yesterday. I think it was methane data management or something. In fact, I moderated a, a methane mitigation conference back in December. It just seems like this subject is everywhere. So, John, what is methane mitigation, first of all? And then secondly, why is it so popular today? Well, you know, the methane mitigation is really just reducing unwanted emissions of methane related to the upstream oil and gas production. So you can call it fugitive emissions. There's venting that takes place, incomplete combustion associated with flares. Those are probably the, the main three categories. And there's a lot of attention on it for good reason, because it plays a really a substantial role in the greenhouse gas footprint, if you will. And Part of why there's a lot of attention on this is because it really is a, the lowest hanging fruit in terms of greenhouse gas reduction really across the board. So eliminating some of these methane emissions or reducing the methane emissions is really the cheapest thing we can do to have a really big impact. Put it in okay. perspective, you know, the EPA and the Environmental Defense Fund estimate that as much as 2% of the production is lost is fugitive emissions or venting or unwanted emissions. And methane is a much more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide is. It's about 80 times more potent over a 25-year lifetime and maybe 25 times more potent over a 100-year lifetime. But over a 25-year lifetime, if you have 2% of your natural gas production lost as fugitive emissions, that has about the same greenhouse gas impact as all of U.S. aviation. So it's a big deal. And if you can cut that back, you really make a big impact. Another sort of methane fun fact, if you look at that 2% emission that goes up into the atmosphere as methane, that has about a 40% global greenhouse gas impact, or the overall impact of natural gas, about 40% of it would be due to that 2% methane emission. The 98% that you actually burn is the other 60%. So if you can actually reduce that 2% that's lost as unwanted emissions, you almost cut in half the greenhouse gas impact of natural gas, plus you get the benefit of recovered product to sell. So it's a big deal. That's why it gets so much attention these days. Okay, so let's go back to methane emissions. So methane and natural gas, are those synonymous words or is methane something that comes out of natural gas? So good question. So natural gas is usually about 90% methane. The concentration will vary depending on the production, but that's a pretty good rule of thumb. So in many ways, they are synonymous. Okay. And so what happens is, as you just gave those statistics, we lose a certain portion of this. I think you said, what, 2%? We're not able to capture it. That's these methane emissions. And based upon those statistics that you just gave, if we could reduce or capture, make that 2% go away or capture it or whatever, that could have a significant effect on greenhouse gases. Is that right? Right. So you could reduce the impact of, let's call it the natural gas industry by as much as 40% by just eliminating the methane emissions, if you, you know, believe the 2% sort of number. Now, I'll say this, the number of the producers believe that their methane intensity is less than 2%, maybe even as low as 0.2%. But there's a problem because if you believe the NOAA estimates, which is National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, they measure the methane concentration in the atmosphere. And that has continued to rise 
And recently it's even going up at a faster pace. So, you know, the idea that we're cutting back on the emissions doesn't really jive with the satellite measurements. And that's part of the problem. You know, one of the reasons is that the ground up measurements that are done by a lot of the operators are not actual measurements. They use what are so-called emission factors. And so they're emission rates that are assigned to certain components. So for example, a tank or a valve or a pneumatic actuator, things like that, they all have certain emission factors and you just sort of do a particle count and then you apply the emission factors. That's not the same as making a measurement. So there really aren't really measurements being done today as far as the emissions, but there are measurements being done up in the atmosphere. So in the satellites that are doing actual methane concentrations, they see that the concentrations are rising. And I think people recognize that we need to do a better job of measuring what's going on on the ground. And that's kind of where we step in. Yeah, because that's important. We throw these numbers out like 2% or 40%, you know, all this sort of thing. But all these different, I mean, you may have one or two, a company, for example, and they're trying to measure their methane emissions. They may have 10 sites and it may be the one site that is the one that's really causing all the problems. Is that right? You're absolutely right. Most of the emissions, I think, you know, experts believe that are actually coming from a small number of emitters, the so-called super emitters. So there's very few right. sites I, that are I actually I remember that term, right. Yeah. So the real key to getting methane mitigation and reducing the methane is to find those big emitters faster. So it's really a leak detection and repair effort. And really, the repair effort is pretty straightforward. It's the leak detection has always been the challenge. So when you look at and the why is million, that? Why is that so difficult? You have nearly a million sites across the country where you're doing gas production. And so if you don't have any way to kind of measure, and maybe you're left with doing a measurement once a year with a survey team, if you form a leak, it could go for 12 months without being detected. So if most of the leaks are coming from a small number of sites, the key is finding where those emissions are coming from. And when you're doing bottom-up assessments by most of the companies, they're just doing a part count and assigning a emission factor. That's not reality. It's the real sources are coming from a small number of large emission sources. And so the challenge is to go find those faster and repair them. Okay. So sometimes I ask questions that really illustrate my ignorance, but there's something about this methane that makes leak detection difficult. I mean, why is it just a simple matter of sticking something on every location and it measures it just like, you know, if we start leaking H2S or something, that's easily monitored. So this stuff's not easily monitored. Is that the problem? The methane itself is invisible and odorless. Now, as part of a natural gas stream, it may not be odorless. For example, if there's an H2S content, you're certainly going to you know get that foul or that rotten egg smell. But methane itself is odorless and invisible. And so it is difficult to detect, and we haven't really been monitoring that, let's say, prior to 10 or 15 years ago. No one was really monitoring those sort of things. So there are certainly techniques that are out there. There are sensor developments. There are technologies that have been developed from satellites to aerial to drone to handheld sniffers. So there are techniques to be able to detect it. And really, one of the challenges is just trying to make it economically feasible to be able to do the kind of monitoring that regulators and operators think is necessary. So trying to get the the cost down so you can increase the scale is is part of the challenge. Okay, well, then I don't even have to ask my, that was my next question. So is there a way, for example, there's got to be some value to this 
back to your 2%. Now, you know, I'm, I'm losing, you know, 2% of my production. If I could capture that, it seems like there would be an economic benefit that might help offset the cost of all this equipment monitoring stuff? Yeah, sure. I mean, the IEA estimates that 70-80% of the methane emissions and the fugitive emission problem can be solved with a net zero cost just due to the recovery of the lost product. So that's a pretty compelling case. And there's no other sort of greenhouse gas reduction or clean energy effort that has that kind of potential. So that's another reason why this is really so popular. Okay. Now, so, so I like that, you know, this net zero emissions, that's all fine and dandy, but cost is definitely something that has to be figured in. So I really like that term. You just use net zero cost. And so you think that's achievable? And I guess you started Blue Sky Measurements, what, a couple of years ago? That's kind of yeah, you know, we have an expertise, I think, in optical sensing, and in particular, near-infrared optical sensing. And we saw an opportunity, we thought, to really develop some powerful optical sensors that were much lower cost and would, you know, give the industry an opportunity to even deploy them out at individual well sites. So, you know, we're not the only ones developing technologies. There's a lot of people trying to get in and fill this space and help the industry, you know, reduce their emissions and finding novel ways to do it. And, you know, we just want to be part of that overall solution. but You're in that mix. So you have some kind of special patented technology? We do. We're using electromagnetic radiation in the, from the sun, actually specifically near-infrared radiation from the sun. And the methane, while it's invisible in the visual region, it's, it's not in the infrared. And so some of that radiation from the sun is absorbed if there's methane in the view. And so we develop something of a Think of it as almost a security camera kind of system that's a very targeted, almost a rifle scope sort of view that sort of tirelessly just scans around the well pad and looks for basically methane emissions. So you can, and the key is to be able to do that at a low cost and a robust device that can be just sort of left alone and run on a day after day basis. And so that's what you've got, huh? That's what we've got. All right. Well, I suppose if people want more information about it, you've got a website? We do. It's www.bluesky.eco. .eco. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Great. Okay. We'll definitely put that information in the show notes. I actually discovered quite a bit about you on LinkedIn, so we'll put your LinkedIn URL in there and all that sort of thing. John, we really appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us about this, you know, very popular subject. Before we check out of here, anything I didn't ask the right question on? Anything else you want to contribute here? No, I think we covered some the bases pretty well. I really, you know, I'm passionate about this subject. I think that, you know, if we can do some things to reduce that methane emission component, it can really extend the usefulness of clean natural gas energy. I think that's something that really the society needs to be able to do. So I think it's a great opportunity for us. It's a low-cost effort. And, you know, so we're dedicated to try to do our part to make it happen. Well, we appreciate that. And you just reminded me of something that I'm going to say, and I say it all the time. And in fact, I said it at that methane mitigation conference, one of the panels that I moderated. We believe around here at OGGNHSE that the oil and gas industry is not the problem with the environment. The oil and gas industry is going to be the solution to the environment. And we can have 
cleaner air and cleaner water and all that sort of thing and still live with the tremendous benefits and economic advantages that oil and gas brings to our economy, to our culture, right? I agree with you. All right. All right. Well, we're on the same page there. And again, John, really appreciate you coming on the show. As always, to everybody out there listening, we thank you for listening. Please tell your friends to listen. Post us on LinkedIn, your other social media. Leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or there's actually a review link in the show notes. Please tune in again next week for another episode of Knowledge Vines Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Remember, Knowledge Vine is your dependable partner for full service human performance and safety consulting. Knowledge Vine is error reduction that works. Discover more about Knowledge Vine by finding in the show notes the website link and other contact information. And as we also said, we'll put John's company and his LinkedIn information in the show notes as well. And as always, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. The information is in the show notes, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Russell. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.